This week on Intrigued, Full Effect. I love thinking about my son every day. So every day I think about my baby. I think about where he would be, what he could be doing, you know, if this didn't happen to him. You know, just knowing that people always want to remember Christian, knowing that they are trying to let me know that they care about me and that they haven't forgot about my case. That is so important to me. I'm Chandrea Thomas, and welcome to episode one. In this podcast, we talk about curious cases, disappearances, and other stuff. And today I'm talking about the 2003 disappearance of nine-year-old Christian Ferguson from St. Louis, Missouri. I spoke to his mother. I reached out to his father and his father's last known attorney of record. And I heard back from police. This is what happened. It was June 11, 2003, just after 6 a.m. in St. Louis, near the Wellston, Missouri city line. According to reports, Christian was last seen by his father, Dewan, who says he was taking his sick son, who was only wearing a diaper and a blanket, to the hospital. He stopped his SUV at a payphone to make a call, and that's when he says the SUV was stolen with Christian inside. The SUV was found more than two hours later, about seven miles away, but there was no sign of Christian. I had a long chat with Christian's mother to find out more about the case and the impact on her life. This is what she had to say. Well, the first thing I want to say is thank you for taking the time to talk with me about, you know, what's happened with your son, because I know it's not the easiest, you know, thing to talk about. I know you've been dealing with this for a really long time, so I just really appreciate you, you know, doing that. Um, So, you know, first thing I want to ask you is how are you? How are you doing now? Well, I'm... Um, I've learned how to live in spite of my circumstances, but it's still extremely difficult because you would think that I would have justice by now, and I don't. So it's disturbing not only to me, but the people that are in the community. Anybody who is going to through any kind of injustice should feel insecure because the system does not work the way that it was designed to. And actually, I just feel like it's, well, most people already know it's very difficult when you're an African-American trying to obtain justice in any in any any area. So it's it's extremely difficult. How did you find out about the disappearance of your son? When did you find out? What happened after that? My ex-husband, Victor Thomas, came to my job and informed my supervisor who informed me. Well, she asked me to come to the front so that I could be informed by my husband that Christian was missing. I remember Victor taking me to, I think it was the Paul Hospital, um, since it was in Bristol, because he thought I was going to have a breakdown. He knew it was very tragic. He knew all the pressure that the, the custody battle and everything else was causing, um, how, how it was affecting me. I remember entering the hospital, looking at the monitors. Everybody's pointing at me. That's the lady. She's the mother of the little boy. Theta says the last time she saw her son was during a court-ordered visitation on March 22nd of 2003. It started as a custody battle, and my children were stripped from my custody without, without me being proven unsuitable, unfit, or un, un, unable. When it came to, you know, the accusation of you being an unfit parent and all of that, what, were, what exactly were the accusations, and how did well, they actually, try to come to that conclusion? Okay, I like the fact that you asked that question because that's what they are. I, I did my research 
And I found out that in order for a child or children to be taken from the care, the parent has to be proven unsuitable, unfit, or unable. They never even made an accusation about that. They only said that I abused the DFS hotline, that's the Division of Family Services hotline, and I think they call it something different now, child division or something. But I called I, I call every time I needed to call. As for Christian's health condition, it was rare and complicated. Let's just clarify exactly what Christian's condition is, because mm-hmm. when you had described it to me and explained what it was, I had never heard of it. So for, right. for those who may not be aware of exactly what it is, can you kind of break it down really quick? Yes, he, he had citral anemia and it's a metabolic disorder where he's lacking the ability or yeah, he was lacking the ability to break down proteins. So I believe it was arginine that he was not producing. So they gave him a medication called L-arginine. It was a fake arginine. And it helped to fill in that gap for what was missing. So because of his inability to break down proteins, another enzyme citrulline would go out of control, causing a hyperaminemic crisis to, to transpire, meaning that ammonia, high levels of ammonia would be in his blood. And that is really what would make him start acting lethargic and real strange. Sometimes he'd repeat himself over and over again. His eyes would look real glassy. So there are symptoms that, or things that you can look at to see that he's having a crisis. It's not just like, boom, he's in a crisis. So if you didn't give him what was necessary, the medication to help him break down the proteins and also the special diet, um, because they gave him just enough protein to deal with the medicines that he was taking so that the system could work properly. But if you didn't do one of those things correctly, or if even, even if he got sick, it could throw things off because, you know, we're just a, a bunch of chemicals. So, um, you know, one thing could throw something off. And that's why we have to be vigilant about paying attention to the signs. Theta shared some videos of her son with me, and she told me that these were videos that she watches religiously. She said that she loves to hear his voice and she likes to think about the time that she was able to spend with her son. And it was actually the first time that I was able to hear Christian's voice. And this is sound from a video of three-year-old Christian singing Barney's Down by the Station at a family reunion. Oh my God. What has been the impact on your other child and, and um, you know, throughout the years? Because, you know, knowing, just knowing that your sibling is out there and, and not being able to see them or talk to them or anything like that, that has to be devastating. It's, it's totally devastating. My child is still going through some things right now. Um, they're 24 years old now, but it's still, you know, a, a challenge to try to live in spite of the circumstances. I'm grown. But this is a child who watched brother in the room, in the coma. So I'm guessing you're wondering about the other side of the story. Well, I reached out to Dewan Ferguson and I didn't get a response. I also reached out to the attorney who was representing him at the time of Christian's disappearance and I didn't get anything back from them either. So I moved on to St. Louis City Police and I got a pretty quick response from their PR department. 
And I found out something pretty interesting. What they told me was that it's still an active kidnapping case. And I thought that was interesting because I always thought it was a missing persons case, but it's classified as a kidnapping case. So that was new information for me. They also said that the SUV was processed and that detectives are following up on all calls and all leads in the case, which is, you know, typical protocol for them. But they told me they couldn't give me any more information on the investigation because the case is still open. So as far as trying to dig up any details about a suspect or suspects in the case, there was nothing. As I went through my conversation with Theta, I had to ask her a tough question about her son. At the time, Christian was nine. Yes. And so he would be, what, 25 now? Somewhere about yes. 25, yes. right? Yeah. Do you feel that at this point your son is still alive? Do you feel that? No, I don't feel that my son is alive. I never felt that he was alive. There were a lot of people who wanted me to say that my son was alive. It was a lot of back and forth, you know, and even I guess I, 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 since I'm a believer of God, I know that miracles are possible, but knowing the fact that they found things that should have been attached to my son's body in order to sustain his life, it's hard for me to believe that my child is alive. Theta has always been very vocal about Christian's case, and she eventually became a fixture on local news. And I think as a result, she's been able to get a lot of support from the community in regards to searching for Christian and things like that. And that's something that she says that she truly appreciates. You know, my life was just never the same. I I kept doing a lot of interviews with news reporters, and I was really grateful that since my family is African-American, that we were new, we were found to be newsworthy. People were like donating flowers for us. We create flowers to, to go out to increase awareness of Christian's disappearance. Um, they made t-shirts. And while facing tragedies in her own life, Theta has been able to take her situation and use it to help other families with missing loved ones. She tells me that it helps her cope and deal with her own situation. Tell me about looking for an angel. And tell me how all of that started and how you help other families now. Well, Looking for an Angel is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that I created in memory of Christian to help increase awareness of missing persons. There's like over a thousand people missing in the state of Missouri and each person really should navigate their highway patrols sites in their states to find out how many people are missing in their states. Um, some days I'll just go to the missing, the Missouri State Highway Patrol's map and let people know how many people are missing, missing from their city or their county in Missouri. And I, I don't know if they have those kind of agencies in other states, but they need them so that you could be aware of the circumstances. I feel like if people knew more about how many people are missing in their areas or how at risk they are for for disappearing, then they would make sure that the police or law enforcement does everything that they need to do, you know, to keep people safe. How can you make a lot of money in your city and states if you have all these people missing? So Mm -hmm. maybe if they have more billboards up, and that's what I'm trying to do through looking for an angel, try to get up some billboards, disperse the flyers to help increase awareness in any way creatively that we can. If a parent wants to be ready in case something like this happens, you know, of course, we never want this to happen to anyone. But 
if by chance someone is in the circumstance of having a child that, you know, disappear, what should a parent know ahead of time to be better prepared to handle that situation? Hopefully they will have a child ID kit on hand that they like that's something that we produce through looking for an angel um, to give to the parents just in case their kids come up missing. It has the fingerprints of the child in there. It may have a tooth in there if the, if the parent chose to put um, a tooth in there because DNA can be extracted from your teeth. And um, sometimes they'll just cut off the hair. So it depends on us on what you have to use. Some people don't have hairs, so they have to use fingernails. So wherever you can get some DNA, we want them to say that DNA, say those fingerprints and give that card that has a picture attached of their missing loved one to the police in the case of a disappearance. Um, I recommend that they make sure that the schools have, um, like since annually they take pictures or sometimes they'll do it in the first and second semester Make sure that you're getting a, a photographer who has the child safety ID kits, you know, in not the, the kits, but there's a little card that can be um, part of your portrait package. So even, even as a parent, you had a power to tell your teachers, tell your school district what you expect for them to do to keep your child safe. But um, I would say if a, if a person came up missing, so first, of, first of all, you want to check where you are, go through the house. Make sure that the person, you, you're just not overlooking a person or maybe they are asleep. Maybe they don't know that you're looking for them. But once you've done all of the simple things like checking the house, checking with the neighbors and the friends, um, you, I would be on social media. You know, make sure that you have your children or your loved ones because not only kids are missing, you know, adults are missing. Some people had dementia. They just walk off. Through the years, I've seen you, you know, go through a lot of media interviews and be very open about what your circumstances are. But I've also seen how you've developed relationships with other mothers and other families of missing loved ones. And tell me about those relationships and how it helps you deal with things and how it helps them kind of heal and deal with their circumstances. Uh, well, Regina Sykes, she's the mother of, of missing Monica Sykes or she Monica was missing. And um, Paula Kosey, the mother of missing Shamika Kosey, um, I, I bond with those ladies and they're part of the organization's board. And we strategize, we get together, we think about what needs to be done, how things need, need to be responded to as far as law enforcement or the community is concerned so that we can properly advocate for people with missing loved ones. Um, just having their support is, is I mean, it's priceless because no one knows like we know what it feels like to be in this position. And there are some things that Regina knows that I don't know right now because she's had a court proceeding. She had court proceedings and she had outcomes that I don't have. You know, Paula Kosey, she's still looking for her child. And, you know, she needs all the support that she can because it's, it's, it's been too long. So trying to teach people how to, to live and, and to keep a job and to sustain themselves and their families under these circumstances is imperative. You know, people, people don't, they just don't know what we go through. And since we know what we're going through, we try to be that support for the other people in the community, male or female, even for the children, because the children are impacted too. So 
we'll go to different schools, we'll do presentations, we'll talk about um, what it's like being in our position, what people can do to prevent being in our position. Sometimes you can do all the things right and things still happen. So we're there to help people to deal with that also. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes for the future out of everything that you've experienced, out of all of the different cases that you've heard about? What what would be, aside from the ultimate outcome of, I understand what you want to happen with regards to your son's case, and aside from that, what would you like to see happen when it comes to missing persons cases overall? I'd like to see all cases being given the attention that they deserve. I'd like for African-American cases to receive as much attention as white cases or Caucasian cases, missing person cases. I, I don't feel like it should be um, a, diff, a different way that they handle the cases because we're all people. We all care about each other. We, we all should care about each other. And when people don't and, and those things cause our loved ones to be missing, then we need to respond appropriately, quickly. Law enforcement needs to respond to each and every missing person case the same way they would want someone to respond to their missing loved one's case. What I've noticed about missing persons cases is that social media is one of the best avenues you can use to get the word out because people will share that story, share yes. that picture like you wouldn't believe. And I exactly. think that's been very helpful to families. What do you think about that? I think it's awesome. Um, Regina Sykes' case really um, just validates that point that you just made because if it wasn't for social media, a lot of people would not even know about the case. And it's about getting out there and getting all the attention that you can because once people are aware of the circumstance, um, the more the more it's more likely that you will have a resolution in your case. You know, you have to be the one to stand out, even in business. You have to be the one that's making yourself different, that stand out to get the outcomes that you desire. And a lot of times when people are sharing these stories on social media, they don't even know who you are, but it's so easy to just share. So there, I actually, I guess it's a good time to thank the people who are sharing images of, of my child, especially those people that I don't even know that I may never ever meet. People from Africa, people all around the world who are doing whatever they can to increase awareness of any missing person. That's a plus. And while the investigation into the disappearance of Christian Ferguson continues, his mother says that she won't stop fighting for justice for her son and other people who were victims of crime. I want to ask you this. If you were able to speak to Christian at this moment and he could hear your feelings and your thoughts about him, what would you say? Mm-hmm. I probably cry so hard. I probably couldn't say much of anything. I just be hugging them and kissing them. And, um, oh man, that would be a blessing. I probably, Ooh, I probably quit my job and just stir my baby all day. I, um, I would definitely tell him how much I love him and I'd be praising God because it would have to be a miracle to have him in my presence. But, um, that's so hard. That's really hard to, um, that's probably the hardest question that you asked me. Oh man. I just, I would, I, if, 
it's just hard to go there, but I would definitely just show all the love and affection and attention that I could. I probably wouldn't even want to stop to, you know, refresh myself by eating or drinking because I'd be so busy trying to show the love that I wish that I could have been given all these years. My last question for you is if there was one thing that you want people to take away from your story and your experience in your life, what would that one thing be? I will say that I am you and that we ought to work our case that like I am you. If I, I feel like if people would just be more intentional and do what they can do in their capacities, then all of us would fare better. So I, w- I want people to respect life, appreciate life and do all that they can to make sure that everyone's life is preserved and that people are safe because we only have the life that we have. And once it's gone, it's gone. Even if you believe in the afterlife, this this life that we live here would be just a different one because we would transcend to a different level. But we need to do all that we can in this life to be positive, to be change makers, to protect each other and to bring about justice. So I would just urge everybody to, you know, be about the business of blessing each other, to be an encouragement. And not to tear down people, but to build people up, because that would help us all. That would bring about a better and a safer community for us all. All right, Theta, thank you so much for your time and talking with me today. I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but I know that you also understand the importance of, like you said, keeping the story alive. You know, especially when it comes to missing people of color just in general. You know, we need to tell those stories and get those stories out so people can understand exactly what's happening in our community. So thank you for that. Thank you. My final thoughts about this case are that there are a lot of details and information about the case that I can't discuss because police haven't confirmed the information. And to be totally honest, this is a very touchy situation. For example, Theta told me that an unknown person dropped a 37-page report at her doorstep detailing Christian's entire case. I'm just not sure of exactly who wrote it. She also told me that she had a meeting with St. Louis City Police about the case and walked in with about 55 questions and while she got some answers, she said she wanted more. So I'm hoping as the investigation moves forward that I can get more of the facts to share with all of you down the line and I'm hoping that this case finally gets some resolution for the family as well. If you have any information in the disappearance of Christian Ferguson, you can call St. Louis City Police at 314-444-0001. Thank you for listening to Episode 1. I am planning to post a blog and pictures on my website to go along with this podcast. And if you have any cases or disappearances that you want me to check out, you can go to the Intrigued Full Effect website or you can reach me via email at intriguedfulleffect at hotmail.com. Until next time, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. 
The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities and connections with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or blog. This podcast uses copyrighted materials that were fully authorized by the owner. Music courtesy of Pond5.